Arsenal versus Manchester United is one of the Premier League's feature rivalries. Fergie against Wenger, Vieira against Keane, a wild-eyed Martin Keown just screaming at Ruud van Nistelrooy, and of course, the Battle of the Buffet. It's perhaps not as violent, not as dramatic as it once was, but these two clubs do hope to be in the mix for the Premier League title. So this Sunday showdown at the Emirates does mean a lot. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. No pizza slices thrown or indeed punches thrown by my top tipping team, at least not yet. Mark O'Hare's been crunching the numbers in the bet cave as always, Mark. These teams have made decent starts points-wise, but are there some deeper concerns for both of them, do we think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've not been overly impressed by either team yet. Um, Starting with Arsenal, did what was required against Forest, but looked a little bit uncomfortable in that second half weren't hugely on it from an attacking perspective. Then they grind it out against Palace in a, in a pretty ordinary game. And then Fulham, just uh, sloppy errors from the first whistle, really. Poor marking to concede a goal from a set piece against 10, man, 10 men. Uh, just, just not acceptable, really, for a team you expect to be challenging for top honours this year. So um, I know some Arsenal fans believe Arteta got his team wrong against Fulham. I would suggest that he's probably got his team wrong from the outset, actually, looking at the starting 11s. Um, I'd no, there's a reason why he's probably looking to evolve that side, um, not become too predictable. But um, I just think he has to go back to basics, really. And what worked well, well for them last year, why wouldn't it work this time around? You know, the, the defensive reshuffle to exclude Gabriel, uh, Tommy Ashu's suspension, Tierney leaving, Zinchenko not being fit. It, it's felt like he's been trying to plug the gaps with, with square yeah. pegs, really. And um, Well, Partey's inverted right back is just a bit yikes, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. And I think he's massively helped this week because Zinchenko is back and that should see Arsenal revert to something close to their first eleven. The talk is that Gabriel will be brought back in. Uh, obviously, no movers materialised there for him, which would mean white back to right back. And, and hopefully we get to see the partnership of Rice and Partey in midfield because that will free Odegaard up a little bit more. Probably take Havertz out of the firing line a little bit because I don't think he's accustomed to playing that position right now for Arsenal either. Um, so, yeah, we've not seen Arsenal at their kind of terrific best from, from last year where they, they just attacked with real sort of menace and uh, you know, fast transitions, really, between really forward-thinking players. I'm ho- hoping we'll see it this weekend. And at least Emirates Stadium has been the place for goals uh, since the start of last year. There's a, an enormous goals per game record. It's, it's 4.04 goals on average at the Emirates since the start of last season in the, in the Premier League, which is... An enormous number. They scored twice or more in 17 of 21. They've scored three times or more in 13 of those, including the really fun 3-2 win against Man United last season here. Um, in fact, the last four between these two teams have gone over three and a half goals. And if you look at the Emirates matches this in the last 12 months, 16 of 21 have gone BTTS. 15 of 21 have seen over three and a half. I do think we might see something similar this weekend. So I'm going to back over to and a half goals and both teams to score at four to five. Um, United are in their own sort of funk at the minute. Um, the Wolves win was rightfully criticised. Very good in the first half against Spurs, then absolutely nowhere in the second half. Uh, and Forest last week was just, it was actually quite, it was insane what they did at the start and the finish of that match. 
Um, the defending for the the opening goal, the counter attack was just oh, I've never seen anything bizarre. like it. Really bizarre. Um, even Marcus Rashford looked just completely confused by the he situation. Was the deepest he found player. What, how <laughs> yeah. did that happen? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just ah oh, yeah. And in the last ten minutes as well, playing ten men and kind of hanging on and sort of giving away opportunities from set pieces. And the Nova round this weekend, there's no Shaw as well, so the defence will be weaker. We thought with Ericsson going back in, the midfield might look a bit more balanced, but again, they looked weirdly overrun and outmaneuvered at times. And we go back to the week one against Wolves where they looked so sluggish and and laboured. I, I still think there might be something physical or, or mental in terms of uh, fatigue uh, affecting this team at the minute because they've not looked at it or at the races at all. And uh, perhaps it's something to do with pre-season, uh, whether they haven't been sort of drilling them hard enough or perhaps all the travelling around uh, America has kind of contributed. But um, yeah, I, I would, I'm would. i pretty down on United at the minute and um, especially so when you look at their away record at the top teams. Uh, obviously lost already at Spurs last year. They took a point away from the top nine. They've conceded two goals and were in nine of the last 10 against top nine teams, conceding 30 goals in total as well. So um, if I had more trust in Arsenal right now, I'd be looking at Arsenal to win and both teams to score, which is trading at two to one on the sportsbook. We'll probably be bigger on the exchange. But um, for now, I'm just going to play it reasonably safe by backing overs and BTTS because uh, I think both teams contribute here. I think we're in for a decent, lively match. I would give Arsenal the edge. But going back to the beginning of the start of your question, I've not been overly impressed by either team. Odds compiler and maths whiz. Mark Stinchcombe always has the numbers right where he wants them. Stinch, can either of these clubs mount a serious title challenge, do you think? No. <laughs> OK, moving on. <laughs> I think we saw Arsenal's best um, chance of doing so last season. I mean, they did do it, let's, let's be honest. Um, <clears throat> and it was... Pardon me. It was. It was. I don't think they was their fault. I don't like this bot, bottling phrase labelled at them. Just a case of regression. Really, they overachieved for for a lot of last season, and um, they were operating on a on a rather thin squad, and it just caught up with them. And, and Man City are, you know, you know well, let's be honest. You know, Man City have cheated to get to where they get they've got to. So um, it's no shame in finishing second to a team with unlimited money. Um, this season, um, you know, I know Arsenal started with two wins out of three, but it really should be three wins out of three. And it's just these small margins that, that could cost you. You know, they had a terrific beginning to last season, able to carry on. We saw the year that Liverpool won the league. They went on that unbelievable run at the beginning of the season. And unfortunately, in this day and age, you know, you need... You need it 90, 95 points to win the league, really. Um, so you just can't afford to, to drop points. And I worry about, as Mark kind of touched on, uh, fitting these players into positions that they, they're they not accustomed to. Uh, and I worry that, that long term, it's not going to be a success. Um, you know, spent a lot of money on Havertz, who hasn't been consistent in his main position at Chelsea. So then to you know move him a bit deeper again, it's a, it's a bit of a risk in, in in my mind. So a lot of questions. I mean, Man United aren't even in the conversation to to win the league. No offense. Uh, I mean, the odds tell you that anyway. Uh, you know, it's Man City beginning the season with eight to eleven. They're now four to nine. We might as well just give them the title now, uh, pretty much. Uh, in terms of this game, um, I wouldn't want to back Arsenal at the. At the prices, uh, I think the price is probably about right, maybe a touch short uh, on Arsenal. Um, you know, they've got a bit of de defensive fragility at home. 
Um, it's only four clean sheets at home since the beginning of, of last season. And we saw, obviously, against Fulham, that uh, that rear its head again. Um, you know, but all, all the things you want to back are kind of covered. You know, both teams' score is four to nine. Uh, over two and a half goals is one to two. I mean, it makes sense, as Mark was suggesting, to to, to throw both of them together. Um, Arsenal to win and both teams' to score is shorter than two to one. You know, in those sorts of bets, I'm not... I, I'm happy. I'm happy to get on board if the team you're back in are sort of, you know, massive odds on. You know, like we talked about on the Saturday show, like one to two, four to nine, one to three, or sort of that. But, you know, Arsenal are, uh, you know, closer to evens. So if they were to win, and I'd want, I want that to be sort of, you know, five to two, eleven to four, or at least uh, in my mind to to get on board. So I'd look at the the foul markets, and I thought. It seems to be an interesting uh, one here. We know Arsenal offer a huge threat down the down the flanks with Martinelli and, and Bakayo Saka. Um, they're both being fouled almost uh, three times per match. If it's likely United set up with the same full-backs as they do, did against Forest with uh, Wan-Bissaka at right-back and uh, Diego Dallo at left-back, you can back both of them to commit one foul at uh, bigger than 6-4. to four. Uh, and if you fancy both of them to commit two or more fouls, it's it's as big as thirteen to one. Um, given them them both to pick up yellow cards is only seven to one. I think there's a lot of margin there in in the foul prices because obviously fouls are. Um, you know, we know if there's been a foul or not because the referee will give it. We don't always know whether the referee is going to reach for a yellow card in in certain situations. So, um, I think that offers uh, that offers quite a nice way in. Uh, and if you want a, a bigger bet builder, it gives you a good start as well. Thrilled to welcome back trader and tips to Brian McDonald this season, Brian. Stinch makes the point that obviously Manchester City are facing a whole range of uh, financial charges uh, from the Premier League, but whatever that turns out as in terms of whether they are found guilty and or whether they find a way out of that, what they have done is they've raised the bar completely for teams. And as Stinch quite rightly points out, now if you want to win the league, you have to get such a, a higher points total than you once did. Have teams like United and Arsenal basically been left in the dust? Yeah, I think you really do have to remember how well Arsenal did last season and how... Liverpool did in the previous years to push Manchester City to, uh, all the way until May, and I think this year we're not going to see that. I think this. I don't think there's a title right this this year. I think City, if they don't get any charges against them, any sort of points deductions, they could win ten, fifteen points. Um, I think this could be a, a boring, a boring season at the at the top end of the table. I agree with the lads. I don't think Arsenal or United um can can challenge Man City. Um, the teams that they're playing. That, that that they'll be competing with have started start the season like they mean it when you look at Liverpool and and Spurs as well. So I think both Arsenal and United, they're gonna to have to get out of certain uh habits quick. Um Is that where the fun is then, Brian, the top four race? Is that really where if you're looking at that top end, is that is that the real battle this season? Yeah, they're kind of lucky in a way that it's not even a, a top four race anymore. It's top five now because the way the Champions League is, has yeah, yeah, the, sure. the, the, the new format next year, there's actually an, an extra place. But yeah, I think I think City will be out on their own. Um, and then it's any of, yeah, Liverpool, Tottenham, um, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United, Newcastle, Villa, Brighton. Like there's a lot, there's seven or eight teams there who will be challenging for those those um, 
those four places. So yeah, it's like a, a, a betting without league table. I just take Man City out and just you know if if as, as Stinch said there, like there's there's no shame in in, in coming second and 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 being best the rest of the way. Man City have gone about things over the last ten years. Like what well, this will be their seventh title and if they did win this year i think it'd be seven titles in eight years or six and seven so six and seven I six think, and seven think, yeah. yeah so it really is it really is um that's where yeah that's that's where the 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 competition is 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 in behind them um in terms of this game i like my my journalistic integrity might be brought into question here because i as an arsenal fan i think man united are actually a bit worse off or haven't been as as are you know are in, in bigger trouble than Arsenal are anyway for the first couple of, of, of games from the season. Um Arsenal like yeah, they could easily be on on nine points out of nine. Um Mark touched upon their the Arteta's team selection and it's so frustrating as a fan not seeing Gabriel in there. Um I think it was just because he was unsettled because there was rumors he might be off to Saudi Arabia thankfully the window should be shut for, for English clubs by the weekend so it, it doesn't look like any of that sort of um, interest has materialised into a move away so he should be back in but that's what worked from last season Gabriel and Saliba they, the last time they played together was or they started together was the Community Shields against Man City and I know that's a glorified friendly but they kept Erling Haaland quiet for, for 90 minutes in that game and they were a brilliant partnership last season as well so I do think there will be um Arsenal will look a lot stronger. Um and not only does Saliba or sorry, does Gabriel coming back in improve them at centre back, but it puts White back to right back, it puts Party back into centre midfield. So there's a there'll be a huge dynamic sort of change with Arsenal, hopefully, um, from this weekend. Um another thing I haven't been happy with though with Arteta is not only his his pre match um team selection, but his in game decisions as well. Like I think when we went um Two one down. Uh, we were two 0 up against Forest on the opening day, um, and as soon as Forest bring it back to two one, he brings on Gabriel for Gabriel Martinelli, shutting up shop. You know, you're two one up against Fulham uh, at the weekend. You turn do, do very well in fairness to turn it around. Fulham go down to ten men, and straight away he brings on Jorginho for Odegaard. Like this is Arsenal at home to Nottingham Forest. It's Arsenal at home to ten man Fulham with ten minutes to go. There's no need to shut up shop. You can go out and you can control the game, pass the ball around for ten minutes, and go up and score a third. Frustrate the the opposition, and and, and they're almost going to give up. Like so, I I just don't understand the need to just invite that pressure on for the last ten minutes, and then you know you're giving yourself the opportunity to switch off from 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 a corner, and uh, and all of a sudden it's uh it's two points dropped. Um, for Man United though, as I said, I th- I think that it's a little bit more worrying than Arsenal the first couple of games for them or the first few weeks. They haven't shown any improvement from last season, I don't think. Um, when you think back to last season, their best performances were against Barcelona, I think, if you remember back in the, in the Europa League. Um, if they're going to get anything out of this game on Sunday, I think they're going to have to hit those levels again. And we haven't seen we haven't seen those levels uh, since those games against Barcelona. That was back in February. Um, United haven't shown anything like this. There's going to be big pressure on the, on this Ras, uh, Rasmus Hodgland, um to striker coming. I think he's going to be in the squad this this weekend, but there's just massive pressure on his shoulders to deliver because they really there really is a hole up in in, in that number nine position for them. I still can't believe any time I look at the squad that Martial is is, is in the squad. Not uh, not only was he in the squad, he was starting last weekend, and I think that was a case of just getting Rashford back out onto the left where he he's better and and just having anyone in in, in that number nine. Um, but for this game in particular, uh, always an entertaining fixture. Generally, the home team seems to win this one. Um, I think, uh, as the lads said, I think there will be goals. I, d- I don't mind just backing Arsenal to win and, and, and both teams to score on, on, on small sort of stakes. Um, I think their home record, Mark talked about, 
always lots of goals. They have a good home record and I still think they'll concede as well. So I'll go with Arsenal to, to win this one, uh, both teams to score. I liked how part of that answer turned into a kind of therapy session for Brian there as he worked through his feelings towards Arteta. Uh, There's no doubt that injury time goals are a great source of drama in football, but those goals, as we know, can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet. So here at Betfair, we've introduced 90-minute payout. Now, when you bet on the result of a match, you can still win even if there's injury time drama. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time t's and c's in the description 18 plus see gambleaware.org there's an old firm derby on sunday as rangers take on the role foes celtic stinch brendan rogers return to celtic hasn't entirely gone to plan but rangers have just been absolutely shredded by psv in the champions league qualifiers it's fair to say neither of these teams quite at it so far yeah, <clears throat> but I think uh, looking a little bit deeper, I think Celtic were a bit unlucky in uh, in the past two games. They created a lot of chances, um, decent expected goal uh, score. Um, so just you know, part and parcel of football to be be a bit unlucky. Uh, but in, in this spot, really, I, I want I want to op- oppose Rangers as favourites. I'm I'm surprised Celtics are, are outsiders here. Celtic are, are two point eight. On the exchange, you know, given the fact that Rangers had to play uh, in me midweek away at Holland, uh, away in Holland, sorry, where they've just absolutely battered, weren't they? Really, um, you know, five-one. Uh, while Celtic have had the week off, I think what's alarming is the fact that across those two games against PSV, Rangers conceded forty-one shots, uh, and I think that really shows where they, where they are right now. I know. Um, Michael Beale, um, given all the ingoings and outgoings over the summer, has sort of aired that you know there should be caution. Uh, you know they need, the team needs time, but you know a bit like the Premier League, as we just spoke about, you, you can't afford to have time if you're if you're Rangers or Celtic because the other one will just take advantage of you. Um, Celtic were six to four and five to four in in their two trips to to Ibrox this year, so you know favourites in both of those games. Um, so I, I think they should be favourites here as well. Um, it's just one defeat in the last seven league games in the old firm. Derby, which was the dead rubber at the end of last season after the title already been won. And, you know, Celtic <clears throat> domestically, just two defeats in their last 42 games. And, you know, both of those came after sealing the title. And, yeah, I just think it's a perfect time to to face Rangers I, again. You know, even after the the match on Wednesday night against PSV, Michael Beale's coming out and saying, you know, for this team, this game has come far too soon. That's what's clear. You know, and if you're saying that, you know, three days before before you're playing against Celtic, I don't think there's any way you wanna you wanna be with Rangers. So, given the fact that Celtic are outsiders, I really like the fact that we can basically back Celtic plus a quarter. Uh, around about 1.88 on the exchange. So we're going to get paid out if Celtic avoid defeat. Uh, if they win the game, we'll get paid out in full. So I think that's a really, really nice angle. I think Celtic are in a, a much better position than, than Rangers are right now. And the odds don't uh, reflect that. Back to the Premier League in England. Crystal Palace take on a Wolves team who may well lose one of their best players in Mateus Nunez. Looks like he's off to Manchester City. Brian, where are Wolves at right now? Because... They've had some good performances, but also some disappointing results. And it's early days for Gary O'Neill, isn't it? 
Yeah, at the start of the season, I was uh, someone was asking me who the three who who go down who who are the three teams who get relegated, and I was saying it was Sheffield United, Luton, and then one of Wolves and or Everton, who were uh, priced around the same price. And then I saw Wolves against uh, Man United on the opening day. You know they were they were incredible. Like they were playing with such freedom. They were cutting through Manchester United, um, at ease, and they they should have got something out of that game, but then. The fall the following week they played Brighton and 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 Brighton cut through Wolves so I think we we learned more about Man United that day than we did than we did Wolves. Um, they're going to be losing losing Nunes as as uh, as you said um sixty million pounds they're they're going to struggle for goals but I I do think they'll have enough to stay up. I've seen enough already in 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 those three games from like even that game against Man United that Gary O'Neill can you know um he will get results. We saw him do it last year at Bournemouth. Um, so I think. Even that, that that win they had against Everton last week, you know, they've already already got a good win against the teams around them, and I think I I do think they will be fine come the end of the season. But in and around, you know, that sort of fourteenth, fifteenth um, spot for this game, I don't have a a major opinion on this game results wise. Um, don't have an opinion on the results. I'm I'm going with a, a player in the fouls market. Um, now, if you listen on the Saturday show, I said that my nap at the weekend was a was a foul selection. But just in case he doesn't start, I I I left it out of the the podcast treble um, for Saturday show. But the angle I'm looking at is who's marking Jordan Ayew, um, and it's it's nearly an angle you look at every week. He was the most fouled player last season um, in the Premier League, and he's already been the most fouled player this season as well. So he started he, he's picked up where he's left off. So I was look I was looking at who's going to be the, the Wolves left back who, who who's likely going to be marking uh Ayu and it looks like it'll be Hugo Bueno who started last week uh, ahead of uh Ryan Aitnori uh, and Aitnori played against Blackpool in the cup during the week as well so you'd imagine Bueno would be in there again we currently have him at 4 to 5 to commit one or more fouls and 7 to 2 to commit two or more fouls um if he's marking Ayu which he he, he should be Ayu was filed, filed five times in this fixture last year and uh, um, Hugo Bueno did did foul him uh, in, in that game. And to add just a bit of context to sort of the perceived value here, it's either going to be eight Nori left back or, um, or or Bueno left back. We have uh, eight Nori at seven to five for two or more fouls, yet we have Hugo Bueno at seven to two. So a big difference in in, in, in prices. And hopefully Emmett's not listening because he might chop the price if, 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 he's, <laughs> if, he, if, if, if he's listening into this. But I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if Hugo Bueno starts, you won't get better. You won't get a better foul bet this season than for him to commit one or more fouls at four to five and, and go for the two or more at seven to two as well. Yeah, so uh, well worth watching. Io is an extraordinary player because you look at his numbers at the end of the season and think, well, he only got three goals and two assists or something. But coaches absolutely love him because of the work rate in terms of how he opens up space for players, but also how he defends as well. Betfair offering a completely free football lacquer or bet builder this weekend, but you have to opt in to claim it. Maximum free bet £5 per customer. Minimum combined odds and T's and C's apply. Liverpool produced one of the finest wins of the Jurgen Klopp era last Sunday as they came from behind to win with 10 men. 2-1 at Newcastle. Darwin Nunez, that wonderful ball of chaos that he is, came on and scored two magnificent goals. Two really, really good finishes, especially the first one. Uh, No Virgil van Dijk because of suspension. Mark, this is a really tricky one against Aston Villa because we know Villa 
a really good side. Musa Diaby looks really dangerous. Liverpool defensively always a bit of a concern. Will they slip up or will they get the win? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they slipped up. Um, I know I've probably got opposing views to stench on this game, but um, I'll lay out my views and opinion. But uh, yeah, Van Dijk's absence is is big. Um, and Canate looks very likely to be missing as well. Um, he's rated as a major doubt. Klopp said he'll probably be back after the international break. So that's a, a hammer blow really for Liverpool in, in central defence, considering, you know, Emmett last week talked about uh, their inability of their fullbacks to, to sort of play in those positions these days and know how to defend as well. So uh, I had a little look, and it's only last season, but uh, the matches that Van Dijk missed, uh, Liverpool won once in six matches. Uh, that was the home derby against Everton, 2-0. Uh, that six-match sample includes the 3-0 defeat away at Brighton, the 3-0 defeat away at Wolves, and the 4 all draw at Southampton on the final day. So uh, take of that what you will, but uh, it tends to be... Pretty chaotic defensively at the best of times for Liverpool so far this season. I uh, wouldn't be too surprised if that was heightened now that both of those two players were missing. So, um, look, we know all about their ridiculous record at Anfield. Just one home defeat in front of fans across the last five seasons, which is outrageous, really. But what we know so far about this year is defensively they are vulnerable. In midfield, they are in transition. Uh, the fullbacks, you know, are as good as they are going forward, are incredibly fragile defensively, um, they don't look completely right. And sure, the win at Newcastle was was excellent, but um, let's not sort of beat around the bush. They were bullied and beaten up for the first half of that game. And Newcastle probably will be looking at themselves and saying, we should have won that game with with room to spare, really. It was their own sort of mistakes and and failure to take control of, of uh, the situation that, that played into Liverpool's arms, really. And there was a, a stroke of luck as well with, with Darwin's First goal with the deflection going into his favour. But uh, even going back to, to, to week uh, week two at Anfield, Bournemouth gave them all sorts of problems in that first half as well. So only five clubs have allowed more big chances than Liverpool across the first three games. So if I was an Aston Villa player or, or member of the management, I'd be very encouraged about their opportunity here because they've reacted superbly to, to what was a, a horrible first week. Not just the defeat to Newcastle, but the injuries to Mings and Buendia. And what Unai Emery's done, at least last week against Burnley, was change the system and it worked a treat. Pau Torres and Diego Carlos in its centre-half alongside Konza uh, allows Konza to sort of operate in a hybrid centre-back, right-back role, which just gives Luca Dean and, and Matty Cash even more opportunity to maraud forward. Uh, sure, Cash gets the headlines with two goals. We had six shots in that game away at Burnley. Uh, Luca Dina uh, created two chances and got an assist as well. It also, you know, they're so strong down the middle now with Kamara and Douglas Luiz. And as you say, Diaby's made a, an immense um, introduction to the Premier League, you know, playing just off Ollie Watkins. Um, they look really good. Uh, and I don't think there's too many weaknesses in that team right now. We know all about Unai Emery and his setup when underdogs. Just looking at his record with Villa when going away at teams when priced up at three to one or larger. They've had six games. They've won three of them. They lost just twice. They drew at Anfield 1-1. The only defeat by more than a one-goal margin was against Man City, which is fair enough. Um, so I looked at the Asian handicap. You can get Villa plus one at around 1.8, which does appeal, actually. They've only failed to score twice in 28 under Unai Emery. If they score at Anfield, which they should do, considering the way Liverpool are defending and the players missing, Liverpool require three goals to see that bet lose. Now, Villa have only lost by two goals or more five times under Emery. They've only actually conceded two goals or more under Emery five times as well. So uh, both those angle, both that angle does really appeal. But the angle I've actually sort of sat on here is 
It's going into the bet builder. You can back Villa plus two on the handicap and both teams to score, which comes in at the same price, 1.8. It just means that Liverpool win by exactly one goal and both teams score, we still get paid out. Uh, and their record at Anfield is actually really competitive. I was quite surprised by this. Across their line, last nine trips to Liverpool, they've lost by two or more goals just once, which I was surprised about considering this is probably the best Aston Villa team to go to, to Liverpool in, in probably a decade or so at least. Um, I think they can be competitive. I think they can bloody the nose of, of Liverpool, but I am still in full respect to Liverpool's Anfield record and the firepower they have at their disposal too. So this felt like a nice sort of marriage between being on side with Villa but also supporting goals because I do expect it to be quite a high-scoring shootout. Yeah, Stinch, Mark is right to point out the fact that we could see Joe Gomez, who played pretty well against Newcastle up, up alongside John Matip. They're not terrible defenders, but they're not Liverpool's top-line defenders, are they? Are you concerned by that? Or do you think Liverpool just have a bit too much firepower? Yeah, I think it's the latter, to be honest. Uh, you know, think back to when, uh, you know, Liverpool went on that run uh, back end of uh, COVID season when they had Nat Phillips and Reese Williams as, as centre-backs. Uh, and I, I felt as though, you know, Van Dijk has not been at his best for a while now. And uh, with Canate, I think sometimes... He can be a little bit rash, uh, gets himself out of position uh, when he should maybe drop off, uh, especially with um, potentially having no right back along, alongside him. And, you know, what what I saw last week, I mean, I, I rated Joe Gomez for a while, uh, probably when he was with Van, alongside Van Dyke in sort of 2019 before he had some issues with injury. And uh, what, I, what I saw last weekend, I thought was really encouraging, considering coming on to the pitch uh, at, in front of a, you know, a raucous home crowd, 1-0 down, uh, only 10 men, you know, Newcastle, a Champions League team. Um, you know, everything could, could, you know, could fall easily, uh, fall back, fall away there and, uh, and you know, have a sort of a, a crisis and, uh, and get beat as we've seen them. They were, as in the matches, Mark mentioned, you know, you know, sort of Wolves away, Brighton away, Brentford away, considering multiple goals, but they didn't. I was really impressed with the the composure and confidence, and and I've been wanting to oppose Villa for a while, to be honest. Um, you know, you look at Liverpool at home to Villa last few seasons. Liverpool gone off one to two, two to nine, four to nine in the last three visits, and Liverpool are one point seven one, so you know, around about eight to eleven. Um, I, I I think I'm happy to chance that, given as you mentioned, Kev, the the firepower going forward. You look at Villa under Emery and you have to take your hat off, you know, congratulate him massively. They collected the fifth most points last season since he took over. But in terms of expected points, they overachieved massively by 12 points and, and it's driven by their basically sort of half between their efficient, massive efficiency in front of goal. And then Emi Martinez in goal. Uh, you know, look at uh, Emi Martinez since records began uh, back in sort of 17-18 uh, season. He has over um, nine post-shot expected goals, uh, which basically says that he's a massively above average when it comes to, to shave, saving shots. But that's not something that can be... Um, consistent uh long term there is a bit of luck involved there as well so i do think there is there is some regression due and i, I think we might maybe seeing an inkling of it so far this season you know villa the second worst defense so far with six conceded in their three games um and you know the liverpool attack of salah diaz jota nunez gakpo shobislai McAllister, it could 
be one to fear long term and uh, even more so if they can keep 11 men on the pitch you know we consider the fact in large yeah I mean large (laughs) I mean what is it one and a half games really they've had only 10 men um, so perhaps not painting a true true picture of their their ability so yeah I just think um, I think Villa can be get can be got at defensively, and if they do come out and play a little bit, I think Liverpool might be able to pick them off. And yeah, as I say, you know, some might see it as a risk without Van Dijk and Konate, but I think you could put any two defenders there, and Liverpool will be vulnerable. So I'm I'm kind of ignoring that in in a way, and and chancing the fact that I think Liverpool's attack can outscore Villa's. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of excellent preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. Loads of other good shows on the Betfair podcast network, including Rugby Only Better and Racing Only Better. By the way, our shows have been put on the new Betfair YouTube channel for non-racing content, so make sure you like and subscribe. The link is in the description from Brian, from Mark, from Stinch and from me. It's goodbye for now.